So. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Taylor. As always, where you at? Where's Taylor? Oh, there. Good job, Tay. Well done. How many of you guys appreciate Taylor for doing our uh, media? I know I do. I got a little something to share. Uh, Pastor Greg is in Germany right now. As we speak, he is speaking. I think it's the evening there. So he actually might be wrapping up his teaching session right now. I'm looking at the clock. I'm trying to do math, but math is hard. Um, So I think he is actually wrapping up. So let's just take a moment and pray for their service. Just that God would rock them, you know? Like, so Father, we lift up Pastor Greg. We thank you for our senior leader. We thank you for the anointing that's on his life. And we thank you that he gets to go around and spread the gospel in other countries. So here at his hometown, we just lift him and Pastor Wendy up. And we ask God that you would break in with light, with truth, with wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus. We ask, Lord, that there would be um, an increase of your presence as he's speaking. And Lord, as they do a ministry time, that you would bring healing, miracles, signs, and wonders, and God, that lives would be changed. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, thanks, guys. Um, I have been in much prayer this week. Let me back up a little bit. I wanna pray (laughs) some more. Let's pray some more. Holy Spirit, we recognize your presence. And God, we need you. We need you here in Fremont, California. We need you here in America. We need you in our homes. We need you in our school system. We need you in our job place. We need you in our free time. We need you in our church services. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would touch every church, but Lord, you would meet us today here. And Holy Spirit, that you would have your way here in the name of Jesus. We open up our hearts, and I I submit my words to you, Lord. I ask that I would be your mouthpiece today, that you would use me, that you would guide me, and Lord, that the Holy Spirit would be just so dynamic in our conversation today. <clears throat> we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So, to, <laughs> all right, done. <laughs> uh, so this week I've been like, man, kind of going back and forth, and I keep hearing this phrase, let God be God. Let God be God. Um, it, October, we're almost there. In October, I I can't remember if I said it up here or just got it down there. I can't remember. But it was, my birthday's in October. Not trying to like, be like, hey, October's coming. I'm not trying to do that. But the Lord gave me a word in October over my life. And he said, Andrew, this next year, these next months are going to be like 12 rounds in a boxing match. How many of you guys have kind of heard me say this before? I, my mom. Yeah. <laughs> I know I've shared it with you uh, and my wife. Uh, so 
I felt the Lord remind me, what is this, the ninth month in the year? And I'm not a boxer. I like boxing, and I'm not trying to promote violence. It's a cool sport. Uh, but I, I could imagine that somewhere around the ninth round that you can get really, really tired. I mean, we're not talking, it's not a team. I know that they have like, you know, trainers and people, but it's like, it's you in the ring versus somebody else. So like, there's no one else that's giving you more energy. There's nobody else that's giving you more strength. This is what you are conditioned for. This is what you've trained for. And I don't know if this bears witness with you, but sometimes we could feel like we're going through a boxing match. And this last season for us, and when I say season, really, I don't even know where July went because it's been crazy, but it felt like this endurance race and like this really, really time of being stretched. And I'm gonna share a little bit about that today. But my, my encouragement to you is you're in a season right now of what you've trained for. This is what you've been training for. And this is why we train. This is why we go deep in God. This is why we train our ears to listen to the Holy Spirit, to look for his fingerprints in our life. The seasons that you're in right now, this is why you train. This is why you take a step back and you go, I need my time. I need my time with the Lord. And it's those moments, and this is what the Lord's been saying, this, this is why you've trained. And I'm going to talk a little bit, because it's my life, I'm going to talk a little bit about parenting. And um, I know we're not all parents, but it still applies, trust me, this whole concept of letting God be God. Let me share a quick story out of Exodus. And it's a challenge for me because I love the New Testament. I love the whole word of God, but the New Testament is just like so, it's, it's like direction, here you go. Do this, do this, don't do this. And then your life is gonna be plentiful. Your life is gonna be fruitful. But the, the Old Testament has so many stories and so much uh, context that's very important, but it's some, it takes a little bit more time to chew on and like you partner with the Holy, it's, it's a fun journey, don't get me wrong. But, I felt challenged by the Holy Spirit this week to jump into Exodus and let's look at the life of Moses really fast. I don't want to go too, because I I could just sit here and read the Bible the whole time and I don't want to do that necessarily because that's your time. You read the Bible on your time. So I want to show you what the Lord's been speaking to me. So we're in uh, Moses' life in Exodus 2. This is when he was born. And we, we know the, we kind of know the story. We, he was born and he's a Hebrew and there was a, a law that was put into place that Pharaoh, who was an evil dictator, said, hey, anyone who is, born, who is a boy that is born must be killed. You have to throw them into the, into the Nile River. Every generation... This is not in the Bible, but it is, it is actually, there's proof in the Bible that every generation has always had somebody after the children. There's always been a battle for the next generation. We see it today, and we see it even in the beginning of time. 
There's always been a battle for the next generation. So Moses has a mother who is brave and puts him in a basket and, and is really trusting and she just lets him, in, lets him go. And she's like, she hid him for a while, but like she can't hide him anymore and she lets him go. Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses and Moses uh, then is nursed by his mother for a time. And jumping into when Moses is older, years later, we're in chapter two, verse 11. Years later, after Moses had grown up, he went on his own, uh, out to his own people and observed their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian striking a Hebrew, one of his people. Looking all around and seeing no one, he struck the Egyptian dead and hid him in the sand. And we know the story, right? He, he, run, he then is like confronting Hebrew brothers that are fighting. He's like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, what are you talking about? You just killed a guy. Are you going to kill us too? And he's, he realizes what he's done, the mess that he's created. So he runs and he hides and he goes into the wilderness. But then he's called, right? I'm, I'm jumping forward. I'm jumping forward. So then he's called by God, the burning bush. You guys tracking with me? You guys know where we're at in the story? When God calls him, he says, Moses, it's time to go back and get your people out of Egypt. Moses is like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I'm talking to a bush that's burning. And he says, here in chapter 3, verse 13, Moses asks God, if I go to the Israelites and, and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, what the father, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? He's asking God, what should I tell them? God replies to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So hold on to that, that I am. When I was growing up, uh, I had a creek in my backyard. And I, when I say creek, I, I would imagine that you think that this is the creek that I grew up playing in. But it's not. Can you show a picture of the, yeah. <laughs> so we called it a creek, but I grew up in Hayward. Not Redding, not Sacramento, even though I know Sacramento has stuff like this. But the creek in my backyard, this is not the exact one. This is way cleaner than mine. <laughs> the creek in my backyard looked a lot like this. And it's gross, because really, that's where all the gutter water would go, and then it drains to the bay. It's just disgusting. Like, Mom, now that I'm a parent, I'm sorry. <laughs> if, Mom, can you put your hand up? I, hi. That's my mom, Cindy Aguilar. She's amazing. So 
But this is, this is really something that I understand now as a parent, that sometimes we have to like be brave enough to let God be God. Because he says, I am. Not I am, he is I am. Meaning he is the one. I don't, I have to say it like this. I'm not God, you know that. But pretend like I'm God's mouthpiece. I am the one who kept you safe. I am the one who called your father Abraham. I am the one who has set a path before you. I am. So when Moses went to the Israelites, you can leave it up. Just, yeah, thank, sorry. When Moses said to the Israelite, or to Moses, tell them that I am, that's who said, they will know because they will remember the faithfulness of God. So, the reason why I'm talking about the creek is um, I started thinking about this and the creek was gross. But as a parent, like as my mom, I, I could imagine, and, I, and she was very good at this. She always has been. Um, allowing us to make our own decisions because in reality, this is, this is the bigger picture. It was disgusting but she made sure we had boots. <laughs> hey, I want, you, I, want, I want you to listen with your spirit, okay? She made sure we had boots. She realized that it was more than just going and playing in nasty old water because we would bring home buckets of frogs. <laughs> buckets, I'm telling, like, the, the adventure side of a child would come alive. And she saw that, and she trusted God would be God. But she still bought us boots. She still made sure that when we got home, we would wash off, we would be clean. So she didn't neglect us and just say, get out, go do what you need to do. She was diligent. She made sure, it, while being diligent, that our hearts were still coming alive as adventurers. See, God is not someone who wants to just squash your adventure. He's not someone who just wants to cut you off or, and say, go ahead. Do what you want to do. He'll provide you the boots. Because he knows, and this is what happened, guys. Like, we would get into the creek and we would go, like, one time, okay, so I lived in South Hayward, which if you're familiar with the area, South Hayward is by, like, Tennyson High School, Tennyson Road, Industrial, that exit, I'm talking on 880, Industrial Exit. We would go from... Tennyson to industrial. And then there would be like these black, dark tunnels, like dark tunnels that we would come to and we'd be like, we need flashlights. 
on the other side. Oh my gosh. And we would like be like, okay, especially in summertime, we'd be like, okay, tomorrow. When I say we, it would be my brother, our friends on the street, like, street, that sounds kind of weird. Our friends on, like, our neighbors, you know, like, <laughs> not like, it wasn't like some random guy, like, coming, coming to the tunnel. No. It was like, it was our, it, they were our friends, like, and we would just explore. We were, it was so disgusting, but fun. Like, it was really gross. And <laughs> we would see turtles, we would see snakes, we would run from the cops because we weren't supposed to be in there. Uh, we, but it was, it was so much adventure and so much fun. But what we want to do, and I'm going to share another story. What we want to do is just kind of like, when, when we want to control everything, we really miss the opportunity for God to be God. So let's look back at the life of Moses when he's, he's saying, like, okay, I get you are who you are. I, I, I'm, I'm good with that. I agree with you. You are God. But when I go there, like, what, what's going to happen? Because I know I look good. Like, it says that Moses was a beautiful child. So I'm sure he looked handsome. But that's not enough. Like, when I get, what, what am I going to say? What am I going to, like, what do I even have? And God says, what's in your hand? And his staff, and he throws his staff down and it became a stake. And he's like, freak, sorry, not a stake. I my mouth, a snake. It became a snake, snake. And it was a miraculous sign. But if he would have said, no, I, there's no possible way. I'm not a good enough speaker. I don't have enough money, we're cutting God off. No, you can't go in the creek because you could get diseases, you can get uh, kidnapped or <laughs> whatever. When we cut God off, we leave no room for God to be God. We leave no room for him to be able to do miraculous signs. We can take off the slide now. I, I think we're done looking at the nasty creek. So when we're looking at the life of Moses, then he, God is meeting him with miraculous signs. He's meeting him. One of the biggest things in life that we want is for us to have, and this is huge in this generation, for our lives to leave a lasting impact. Like we want to do something that matters something that changes the world. So I have this picture in my mind. Imagine a triangle. And it could be a mountain, sure, but I just see a triangle because mountains, everyone, every preacher talks about mountains and it's a triangle. <laughs> at, the, at the first point, we'll go over here and I'll go like this. At this point in the triangle, is when you're climbing up, your face is closest to, to the triangle, the mountain. It's a mountain, sure. <laughs> when we're going up, when we're going in life and we feel like we're climbing up things, it's a struggle. 
That's when our face is closest to where it needs to be, the ground, in surrender. When we get to the top of the mountain is the place where we go, okay, God, I believe you are who you say you are. That is full surrender. And I trust you that you will be God where I am not God, where I have no control. Do you know why Jesus said you will do greater things? Not only is it true, but the need for the Lord to come through in our lives is even greater now than it ever was before. That means we have to be in 100% complete surrender 100% of the time. That also means that God will come through in a greater measure than he's ever come through before. Because there's space now created for him. There's space that he can bring miraculous signs and wonders. Let's talk a little bit about the boxing match. We have four children, as most of you know, and I talk about them all the time because they're my life. They're, They're everything to Hannah and I. And our kids, see, we try our best, right? We were doing these gummy vitamins, like Hannah, like they're concentra- concentrated, super like healthy, they're high in vitamins because they're vitamins. And, but the problem was we were doing it, we were giving them the vitamins, the gummy vitamins before bed. So this parenting fail, this caused them to have cavities because the gummies didn't like, we like brush teeth, but still like some of it would just linger. So Hope, our daughter, I took her to the dentist and she had to have a tooth pulled, then two teeth pulled. After the first one, she was a little bit, traumatized. She was like, I love it. She's the strongest kid on the face of the planet. She'll sit there in the dentist's chair and she'll be like, or the dentist will say, okay, open up. She'll say, what are you going to (laughs) do? And the dentist is like, well, and they have like little names for the tools, you know, and the dentist, she says, oh, I'm going to use Mr. Bumpy. And Mr. Bumpy's the... It's not, but it's like Mr. Power Drill on your mouth. Look, I, I don't like the dent. Is anyone a dental hygienist or a dentist in here? Love you guys. You guys are amazing. I'll, thank you for dealing with all us difficult people who have a really hard time at the dentist like myself. And she says, I'm going to use Mr. Bumpy. And Hope is like, what's that? And she says, well, it, it'll uh, bump your teeth. And she says, is it going to hurt? She had already been injected with the, the local anesthetic, and she says, no, you shouldn't feel any pain, no sharpness, blah, 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 and Hope is just like, okay. Opens barely. The first one, we got out. Like, she toughed it through, but then the next time, and this is what I'm talking about, about being diligent as parents, as people, We do our best. We literally went to three different dentist appointments 
and Hannah and myself were encouraging, bribing, begging (laughs) the entire three appointments that nothing actually happened. We're very graceful parents. But we, we were in agreement, we're like, look, we don't want any trauma to come to our kid. Like, we don't want her to hate the dentist. We don't want her to feel afraid or, or like, and I don't want to sit there and hold her face on the chair so that they could do work. Like, that's even more trauma. We're trying our best. Like, no judgment if you're a parent, you've had to do that. Look, I'm just saying this is our, our story, our walk. This is what we were dealing with. And it was hard, man. I'm like, I can't, like, I can't do that. So I get some prayer from our amazing uh, HeartSync leader, Laura Manville. And it was totally spontaneous, but it was the day of the appointment. And we set up that she would have to uh, have anesthesia and just knock her out. So it'd be like, no, no pain. She'll wake up and be like, what happened? I want a cheeseburger, you know, like, and so, but the whole time, we're talking like three, three weeks. It was a battle. Was it like three weeks? And this was like July, the first week of July, I think, even like into the last, this whole time we're trying our hardest to be the best parents that we can and not traumatize our children and not. (laughs) So this day comes and the Lord provided a way for us to, to have this procedure. The doors open. And as I'm getting prayer and I'm sharing this with, with Laura, she feels an impression from the Holy Spirit and she says, you know, I feel like I need to remind you that the Lord is the one who takes care of your children. We do our best, but ultimately it's up to God to take care of our kids. Three appointments. One of them, I think, was three hours long where we're like, please, do it now. You know, like, <laughs> like we were trying. But we're doing the best we can with what we know and what we're listening to, trying to shepherd our children the best we can. And this hit me like revelation. And I know that some of us can be even looking at our own, whether it's with your children or your job, God has to be God. We have to be okay with letting God be God. So we go through the procedure, and this is what happens. In that moment, when I realized, when See, it takes a moment. We could sit and study the word for hours and hours and hours, but a moment with the Holy Spirit, he can drop revelation in our hearts. That's why it is so crucial to cultivate your life with the Holy Spirit, where you listen, where you sit and you just be quiet and you receive moments in action where where we go and we preach or we tell people about Christ. cultivating that life, the constant flow is so important because it just takes a moment and then everything changes. 
your whole perspective. So be listening, be listening to the Holy Spirit. It took a moment for me to receive that revelation and it hit home and this is what happened. Later in the, <laughs> later in the appointment, uh, I was here working, I worked half a day and met Hannah at home and we said, okay, Hope, it's time to go. We had to pry her out of the car seat. We had to like say, all right, time to go. She did not want to go. And the whole time she fought, because she's so strong, literally picking her up. I had to pick her up and hold her like this. And she's like a sack of potatoes over my shoulder. She never acts like this. She never does. And she's like hitting me like this. Bam! Like elbowing me. This is, we raise them tough. Like... <laughs> We raised them tough, too. Like, I don't, we, we said, like, look, these kids are going to play. We're, the kids, the boys especially, and this is a rule, you can only punch dad. Because I know they want to punch somebody. So our rule is you can only punch dad. Like, don't punch grandpa. Don't punch bops or nani or grandma. Like, no punch mom. Don't punch each other. Punch dad. You could punch dad. So, like, I'll take those hits for him because I know they, they got that, like, they want to just, you know? And so, especially Josiah, I'll just be sitting there and all of a sudden, like, a, like not a slap. That's what it sounds like because it's a little fist. It'll, it'll end probably in the next year or two because I'll get knocked out. But he hits hard. So, so hope is so tough and she's fighting me. She's like, Imagine your head, my head is here. She's like, you're the worst dad ever. You're the worst. How could you do this to me? And she's fighting and fighting. And I'm like, the whole time, feeling the grace of the Lord, because I know that even though she's acting like this, I can fully depend that God is going to be God. God is going to be the one who comes through and takes care of her heart and actually is able to hold her right where she's at even better than I could ever have done. Even though I'm still holding her, even though I'm still paying for the whole procedure, even though I'm still doing my diligence. Look, I'm, I do not promote laziness. I do not say, oh, and God is not a God of laziness. God is a, per, a God of action, of a God of endurance, a God who gives you the tools and allows you to be trained so that when you're in these situations, you can actually apply what you've learned, what you've received. That's the gospel that we live in. It's where we can face trials of many kind, but count it as all joy. That's the God that we serve. He's our supplier of all of our needs, not just financially, but emotionally, spiritually, for our children and our grandchildren, for our job place, for, for our car. He is our supplier. So we can trust him that God will be God. So Hope goes through the whole procedure. She comes out and didn't even... Doesn't remember a thing. <laughs> She's fine. She still doesn't like the dentist, but I love you dentist people and we need you, but who likes you, really? <sighs> I mean, I like you as a person, but your job. You know, I don't like your job. I don't like you when you're in... No, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> totally kidding. 
So when we're able, check this out, this is the beauty of it. When we're able to get into the place where we as people, as followers of Christ, are fully surrendered, fully like God, you're in control. At that point is when our lives will be maximized in our influence. Because now we're not influencing from the place like Moses did when he was in the flesh. Because in the flesh, he created a mess. He killed somebody. His his feelings were valid. He was like, what are you doing? You're you're whooping, whipping, whooping, whatever. (laughs) Hitting this guy unjustly. You're, you're, they're in slavery. What do you, he felt the oppression and he felt it especially because God put that inside of him. There was something there in Moses. Not only was he connected genetically to the Hebrew people, but he felt compassion. He was raised in a palace, but he was still connected with the people because God is someone who wires us from the beginning of time to be passionate about what we're passionate about. But when we step out in the flesh and we're trying to influence the situation and us being us and not allowing God being God in the situation, it causes chaos. It causes things to break down and not function correctly. When we try to shove our way into influencing into people's lives, it in fact does the exact opposite And we have no grace, no measure of influence, no place to invest what we have because we've caused a break in the chain. There's, There's nothing to actually validate because we're just in the flesh. There's nothing to validate what we've learned, what we can teach, what we can offer. That is God's job. God is the one who through the vessel of our life can have the most influence. And that's what we need. We need God's influence. It doesn't matter. You know, there's laws that are in other countries that are way worse than the laws that we have here. And God can still influence. There are people that are in greater amounts of oppression in other countries than here. And God can still have influence. We don't need it to get worse here in order for things to get better. We don't need it to get worse. It's bad enough. What we need is for believers to wake up we need to wake up and realize that we are the vessel of influence so that God can be God, so that God can be God in our workplace, in our finances, and in our our, uh, law system, our, our... Today's a day of awakening. During worship, I saw the Holy Spirit just bouncing off of people's heads. 
almost like one of those sing-along songs, you know, when it tells you, tells you where to, when to sing what word. So during worship, I saw it. And when, when he bounced, it was like, it was like water would start to come down people's heads. We've been trying to control things in our own strength for too long. But the promise is that the Holy Spirit will come like water and bring refreshing. I think, especially in the Silicon Valley, we don't realize how parched we are. Because there is a lot of cool stuff to keep us distracted. There's a lot of cool things to be a part of. There's a lot of cool things to keep us entertained. But we don't realize that we're dry because it's so easy to tap into momentary, momentary satisfactions. So Holy Spirit, I ask, even right now, that you would start bouncing, bounce around the room. We make space for you. We make space for you to do what you want to do. And we ask for refreshing. We ask, God, that you would be the, the main influence. We need you, Jesus' name. So, I'm going to wrap up now. <clears throat> So now that we've come to the top of the tri- of full surrender, things will start to go downhill in a good way because flow e- things flow easier downhill. This is influence of the Holy Spirit because now our, our children and our coworkers can see us in the place of surrender. And even though things look messy, like when I walk into that doctor's office, into the dentist's office, and they see my little girl acting a fool. (laughs) That dentist later tells Hannah and I, you guys are the most gracious parents that I've ever seen. See, there's influence now because we're not getting worked up. Now our perspective has changed so that we can maximize influence. And it's not even about words. It's about your action. It's about what flows out. So now when our children, (laughs) when we've surrendered our children, our wayward child, and we, we go, God, you're God, you're gonna take care of them. And then they come up to us again and they're like, I need money. And you're like, again? And we, we now have the grace to deal with situations. We have the grace when somebody 
when somebody plows into the back of your car. This literally just happened last week. (laughs) You have the grace to go out and extend the love of Christ because you know that he's your provider. You have an insurance provider too. (laughs) Diligence, but he is your provider. Literally just happened. But we have the opportunity to to say to these people, you know, don't even worry about it. I mean, we're gonna get fixed, but don't worry. You didn't ruin our lives. We're not mad at you. We forgive you. And then they can go, there's something different. Why isn't this person trying to rip my head off? They have full rights. Our car was parked in front of Pastor Reagan Wendy's house. He gives and takes away. <laughs> it's true. We're laughing, but it is true. But God will be God. And we, we will refuse to let that situation influence what we do in our family life, in our, in our work life. Speaking on Sunday, I refuse to let that have any influence because I'm at a full place of surrender to the Holy Spirit, to my Heavenly Father, to the work of Jesus in my life. So that will have influence so that the world can see the love of Christ shining in you. That's why we go through the trials. So, I'm going to end here. No matter where you're at, because we're all over the place in different parts of the triangle, some places you're still on your face about and having to come to the place of going, God, I let you be God because <laughs> I need a car. I, you, you be you in my, in my area of need. Might be looking at the life of a child or your health. It's time to come to a place to let God be God and trust, just like Moses, that he will provide a miraculous sign. The journey's not over, but it's not about a sprint. The Lord is most interested in you because your life matters. He has chosen you because you can influence so many people. He's picked you by hand from the beginning of time to be in this place at this moment. He he wouldn't choose anybody else but us. He's chosen you. I just hear the Holy Spirit saying, what you do, what you do matters. Where you're at matters. Could you close your eyes and just receive that? What you do matters. What you're up against matters.
He sees you. He cares. It matters to him. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the level of influence that every one of these believers, every one of these people that love you have. And God, as as a group, we allow you to be God here. In Jesus' name.